0: Good morning, good morning, Grace Place family, and welcome to the beginning of our series uh, called Rooted, and it's the theme for our uh, year, Rooted for Life. Uh, You may remember that we began with Awaken this last year, and uh, very timely, you know, uh, God's always ahead of us, and even though uh, as we prayed over and and thought through uh, that as a lead for the year, we had no idea. No idea at all the kinds of things that would unfold that would be calling God's church uh, to awaken. And uh, it was interesting to me, I also had not had as extensive conversations with other pastors as I generally do uh, prior to the beginning of a year in searching for a theme and what God's heart is. To kind of see where God was leading other pastors across the nation. So I'd had very limited conversations, but we began to see all over uh, people that I follow, people maybe that you follow, that that awakened theme was a big theme. And not only was it a theme in the sense of the church, but um, there was uh, there were some unique things that took place last year that uh, were memorable. Uh, The situation with Kanye West and. And there's, uh, you know, uh, what was going on with him, which was uh, an incredible deal, putting out this uh, kind of uh, gospel-based um, album under the theme of awaken and and uh, a title song of God is, and so we saw in the in the in the world we saw a sense of an awaken being a word that was being ushered around and talked about, and we and we saw it also uh, across churches. So uh, God was calling us, and I think still is, it's not a time to go back to sleep, but he's calling us to wake up and to prepare that a time, I believe, is short. And not since probably the 1970s, when I was a teenager, do uh, have I seen a time where there is, there's a sense among God's people of the quickening and coming of the Lord. And so I think at uh, any rate, it's time for us to do what we can in the harvest field. In terms of mission, Uh, the days are growing short and uh, life on earth is short anyway. And it's our opportunity now to to do all we can for the kingdom. And as we launch into this year, there's a sense of being rooted for life that is so important, getting roots down. And uh, we're looking at Colossians chapter two, verses four through 10. There's one verse in here that is the theme for our year, uh, but this whole passage we'll talk about today and all through this series, we'll be talking about how to be rooted and why we should be rooted and, and uh, you know, anchored in God and, and what that means for us, okay? So Colossians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles with you and, and uh, open them up uh, to Colossians chapter 2 beginning at verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now I want you to read this section with me, which is a part of our theme for the whole year. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Let's just read that line again together, all right? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding uh, in it with thanksgiving, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of principality and power. Heavenly Father, we're inviting you into the opening of this series uh, to open our hearts to the critical hour for us as a church to really deepen our roots. Shallow roots put us at risk. Uh, It is necessary and needful now that we begin to grow. And this is a year of growth and discipleship and learning for us as a church to deepen and get ready for storms that come our way. Thank you, Lord, for Uh, bringing us through a very challenging and difficult year. It's helped us in our ability to trust that you saw us through 2020 and the storm that's raged there, that there is no doubt you can carry us through anything else that we may face. But it's necessary and needful for us to deepen our root system. And we invite you to show us how to do that as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We all recognize that newly planted bushes are easily pulled up. Uh, we first moved into our house, uh, every uh, plant that they had planted, including the trees, <laughs> could easily be pulled up uh, by one person, they had staked them down. Uh, there's been times that I've had uh, newly planted trees that uh, a, a, a small windstorm has blown down and I've had to re and deepen and, and plant better the next time around so we recognize that it's easier when it's not rooted that we can pull it up we can displace it but once that bush gets rooted it's it's difficult we lived in a house we one of the first homes that we owned uh, was built in the 1950s and we moved into it in the 80s and uh, we had some some bushes that had gone bad in the front and uh, they were Big, you know, across the front of the house, and we wanted to open it up and give the house a kind of a better look, a cleaner look. And no one had really done anything to the landscape, especially in the front yard, uh, prior to our moving in. So we decided, and I thought, man, I'm gonna get out there with my shovel and we're digging down, we're gonna get rid of these bushes. And uh, I gave that an effort for about a day, (laughs) and those bushes were going nowhere, right? And uh, the ground, you know, uh, around them was, was hard, was challenging. I had loosened it up by letting water seep into it the night before, but even with all of that, there was just it was just a muddy mess, and I was making no uh, no headway. Her dad came over, Michelle's dad came over, and said, "Now you're not you're not going to have any success that way." Uh, and he showed me how to just dig around each of those bushes, and then he took a chain and he hooked it to his truck. <laughs> <laughs> he hooked the the other end of that chain around that those bushes, and we pulled uh, all of them out uh, with great force and and uh, power of that truck, and uh, it helped me to understand that those root systems uh, really do work. They they keep those plants safe. They keep them secure no matter what is going on. When you have deep and strong roots, it secures you. And as as we Uh, are rooted in Christ, we become productive, we become strong, we become, uh, you know, so uh, anchored that no matter what the storm, no matter what the heat, the drought, uh, the winter, whatever may come our way, we are stronger for having been more deeply rooted this morning as we begin this series on rooted uh we're going to be talking about growing deep we're going to be talking about living strong we're going to be talking about how to get rooted for life throughout this series this series is going to help us most of all to learn how to put our faith into practice how to begin to practice those things that we talk about and learn about and uh, begin to understand about god's word And we've adopted that theme rooted for 2021 and the scripture again is is colossians 2 and 7 rooted and built up in him established in the faith when we are unrooted there are indications that there's problems or shallow roots and uh, we, we, we experience these things of, of isolation, a sense of isolation, a sense of frustration, uh, a sense of being disillusioned, disconnected, even fearful about, uh, you know, what may be coming or what may be happening. And it's a sign that we are not truly deep enough anchored in, in the Word of God and in Christ as He wants us to be so that we can persevere and get through the things that that, uh, are ahead of us, that lie ahead of us. Nobody knows what's in store for 2021. And just as we came through 2020, and we had no idea at the beginning of the year, we would see a pandemic, we would see racial unrest. And even as this year has begun, and we've seen the things that uh, we prayed about this morning of the Capitol steps, and uh, things that we thought we would never see in our lifetime. And uh, things unfolding every day, surprises around uh, every single corner. Uh, We are uh, better equipped to go through those by deepening the roots in our life. Roots provide channels for nourishment, for securing us firmly in our faith, so that we are not easily deceived or drawn away. But shallow roots always put us at risk. The language used in the King James Version in the opening there uh, talks about beguiling us with enticing words. Interesting language. Beguiling us with enticing words. One of the reasons that we were instructed by Paul and the church at Colossa was, was instructed by Paul to deepen their roots is we are susceptible to being beguiled by enticing words. Now, we have all experienced this, uh, and we don't like to admit it, that we have been deceived and tricked on little and big levels. I have a very good friend in Phoenix, and he was telling the story about um, his dad and his brother live with him, and he's gotten frustrated uh, at times when he travels because the salesmen that knock on the door <laughs> will eventually sell something to his dad or his brother. And uh, he was talking about coming home one time, and uh, the pantry was loaded up in the laundry room with uh, Tide soap, you know, barrels of it, you know, just (laughs) that had, the guy came by and uh, talked to his dad and his brother and used enticing words, told them about and he began to dis- explain to his family like that one of those five-gallon things of tide. we don't even use that much in a year. <laughs> we now have several lifetimes' worth of tide. He was able to call back and, and get the salesman to take back what he had, what he had done. But we have all found ourselves uh, susceptible to this. When Michelle and I first got married, lived in that house that I described to you before, uh, we had a Kirby vacuum sales guy. Anybody ever have the Kirby vacuum guy <laughs> out your house? And we could not get rid of this guy. He was an expert. He was really good. And, and he vacuumed not only uh, rugs uh, in our house, but carpet, but also drapes. And uh, he began to show us all the horrible things that were everywhere in our house and uh, how we needed this vacuum. And we kept saying no. And he would get on the phone with his boss and he would... Uh, talk to his boss and goes you know we, he never does this right he never does this but he's willing to reduce this a hundred dollars i've never heard him do this this is this is way you know uh, it, out of all the people that i've ever sold vacuums to he's never been willing to do this but since you guys are so patient and so kind and have let me stay here and talk to you he will reduce this 100 it took us an hour and a half to get rid of this guy he also had a box of ties, didn't he, he was going to leave behind. <laughs> We finally got him out of our house as a young couple and we did not make the purchase. But those enticing words, right? They lure us in, they draw us in, and we become much more susceptible to enticing words when this is not hid in our hearts. Now the enemy will be happy to affirm what you want to hear. He will. And that is one of the keys to words being enticing. Words that are not enticing to us uh, when they are things that we don't want to hear. If somebody came up and said, um, here's a knife, I want you to kill the first person you see. Not enticing to us, right? But the enemy knows how to use words that are more enticing to us, things that we want to hear. And I want to show you an example of this out of Genesis chapter 3 with Eve and the conversation with the serpent. And you maybe remember that it began by the Eve saying, you know, uh, basically telling her, you know, the Lord said you can't eat of these trees. It's just, it's sad that he's withholding something from you. And her response was, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor touch it lest you die. So what does the serpent do to turn this into something enticing? He says, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. What was enticing to her was the fact that she could have uh, something that had been forbidden, that she could have uh, uh, even a knowledge or an understanding that might make her somehow godlike. And these are things that became uh, enticing. And so, those words, uh, when they become enticing, uh, they draw us away and you, you going back to Jesus in uh, the wilderness when he was tempted by the enemy the enemy came in with enticing words right why don't you stand up on this pinnacle and throw yourself down you know the it's written I'm going to quote to you out of scripture it's written and enticing words can come right from scripture right if they're they're out of context and they're out of uh, of, of the 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 theology or doctrine of, of what God wants us to understand and they're drawn out just to entice you and he says look it says here that the angels will catch you so that you won't dash your foot against the stone they will protect you so go ahead just cast yourself down but he said it's also written so here's the fullness of the book devil in case you haven't read the whole thing yeah, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God yeah. right Why don't you turn this stone into, into bread? You're hungry. Enticing words to someone who is hungry and has the ability to provide for themselves. Just take one of those stones and turn it into warm bread. I'll go to the store and get some butter. It's going to be great. We will have a celebration. Jake's got into bread making and he is a good bread maker. And I, when I think about this particular story, I think about some of that hot bread, that sourdough bread coming out of the oven and, uh, and a stick of butter. And we're all good, right? And that's exactly what the enemy wanted to plant as a picture in the mind of Jesus who was starving and hungry after, after having uh, gone through this, this time of fasting and he's in the wilderness. Go ahead and eat it. And he says, you didn't read the whole book, did you? Because it also says... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Progress in faith consists of deepening and not discarding basic truths about Christ. What false teachers call enlightening, uh, liberal Christianity, Paul defines as the basic principles of the world. There is nothing new being uncovered. They get different names and they call things differently and they use different strategies, but they are the same old, tired old things the enemy has been introducing for the destruction of mankind from the beginning of time. And Paul refers to him as the basic principles of this world. As, as you have therefore received Christ the Lord, he says, so walk in him. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul reminds them that uh, as children, as those who are beginning to grow, and, and I'm talking to people that are at all different levels with your maturity in Christ and your growth. And some of you have those deeper roots. You've been in the Word. You've you've matured in Christ. And it doesn't have anything to do with your age. It has to do with how much you've been deepening through connection, through your understanding of God's Word, and through putting His Word into practice in your life. That these roots have deepened and deepened and deepened. So you can be young and be very mature in Christ. You can be old and be very young in the Lord, right? And uh, Paul is speaking, though, to those who uh, he calls, refers to as children, new to the faith, new in their walk with the Lord, not yet for for various reasons. Maybe some of them have even been around several years, but haven't really gotten serious about their walk with the Lord. And he's telling them you need to walk in him. And in, in, in Galatians chapter four, verse three, he says, listen, as children, you need to understand this, as those who are not mature, we live in the bondage and we're under the elements, he says, of the world. He uses that language, elements of the world. Remember, we were talking a moment ago about uh, these um, bushes or trees that are deepened in their root system. And when the storms come, when the droughts come, there's been a a drought or two since I've lived in Texas here, where we've had, you know, no rain, and we've watched the, the ground begin to crack and Builders will tell us put uh, water next to your foundation. You don't want your foundation to crack. Keep it kind of wet uh, around the areas of your foundation. And, and then uh, we're, we're trying to balance that with the water company telling us you can't water on these uh, any days except Monday or whatever it might be. When you're going through drought, right? It's hard. On plants, it's hard on those things that, that are, have shallow roots. But when they've deepened their roots, they've survived. We have a tree in our backyard that is amazing. It has, it has thrived through um, you know, throughout all of the things that have happened around us, through the, the rainstorms that just continue to you know, rain daily here, where we've, we've been flooded in, in parts of Austin and, and Round Rock and surrounding areas and uh, they have survived that, it it has survived drought and all these other things, but if you were to look at this plant closely, this tree, you would notice that it has anchored in strong roots. In fact, part of my yard work has been to to go out and, and put soil around the top of the ground where these roots have been bursting out and, uh, and it shows the strength of this tree anchoring down deeper and deeper to find water and sustenance through the difficult times that are taking place. As you have therefore received Christ, Paul said, walk in him. Walking in Christ Jesus is, is nothing less than submission to his lordship. Our savior calls us to obey, not that we, we might earn our salvation, but that we might display through our obedience, the gratitude of grace. I had a, 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 an incredible moment this week where um, I was on an errand, I was out to, Michelle had given me a list to drive to the grocery store and I'm driving down the hill from my house to the grocery store. And it was as if the presence of God just came into the car and I just began to, 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 to express the gratitude that I had for my life for uh, my 60 years on this planet and, and for all of the things that God has done and all that he has given. It's just, it was overwhelming for that entire drive all the way down the hill and, and to the grocery store to just think through how God has blessed, how God has taken care of, how God has preserved. And I was, uh, I think as a result of uh, my uncle's death and and uh, we were so close with my, my aunt and my uncle, they were pastors as well, my dad's brother. and and we often you know, we saw them in each other's pulpits, and my uncle was even my pastor for a season, for about a year and a half or so. He was he was my pastor, and and we have such a deep and abiding relationship with them. He passed, he's gone to be with the Lord, and and we're going back for his his funeral this next week. And I think that was a part of what was ushering those emotions and feelings in. But it was just gratitude. It wasn't just grief and and crying and saying you know uh, i've been i've lost something but it was more like i've gained everything and i would not redo my life in any other way all the wonderful people who have graced my life including my uncle and my aunt who have put their fingerprints on my life what gratitude that we have and that's what moves us to obedience right if there is any other motivation in you for obeying God, it's the wrong motivation. Gratitude. I do. I love because I have been loved. I do because I have been done for, and he's taken care of me. If we love him, it says in scripture in, uh, that, that God has poured his love into our hearts in Romans five and five. And we see that we keep his commandments as a result of that in John chapter 14, verse 15, in first John chapter five and three and many, many other places throughout scripture, Paul says in this passage, you're rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. And you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. God's word is, is sufficient for every issue of our life, for every crisis, for every problem, for every addiction. It's the cure for depression, for bitterness, for anger, for sickness, for hatred, for hopelessness, for grief, for abuse, for loneliness, for sorrow, for troubled minds, for demonic possession, for financial ruin. You can't name anything that God's word is not the cure for. There's is, there is nothing that we can experience that the word of God is not a cure for. And, but it's important that we understand what this is. It's not a book of poetry, though poets wrote it. It's not a book uh, of history, though it chronicles history. It's not a book of prophets, though prophets penned God's message to us. This is not a book of religion, though it leads religious gatherings. This is the living Word of God. It is Jesus in ink and in life. It is the Holy Spirit that brings it to life for us as we begin to read God's Word. It is the Holy Spirit that begins to deepen our roots as we begin to put into practice what God's Word tells us to do. Paul says in this passage, "'Beware lest anyone cheat you "'through philosophy or empty deceit, "'according to traditions of men, "'according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. We must not allow it to be just another religious book. We must not allow this to be a resource book on the shelf that we could pick up and use against brothers and sisters if they don't think the same way we think or believe the same way. We could take some passage that we had read at some point that says what we think it needs to say. The context of what this book says is this book, from cover to cover. It's not what you want to pull out of it to use against someone else. It, when we mishandle this book, we are mishandling the author of this book, God himself. We are misrepresenting the very author of this book. Revelation chapter 22 gives us the grave warning of not using it as some kind of a technical manual to pull off the shelf and to display for others how they're wrong and we're right. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to them plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And Paul says, beware that no one cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Empty. Empty. About 19 years ago, um, I, was, I carried a planner and a daytimer in a, in, a, in a zip zip up case, and I had my pens in there, and I had, you know, you would refer to it as your life, your calendar, notes, things like that. I had taken it with me to a grocery store, and I threw it in the cart. I don't know why I even took it out of the car, but I had. I threw it in the, in the cart and pushed it around, purchased what I needed. And on the way out, when I pushed the cart into um, the place out by my car where where the carts are uh, kept, then I left the planner, got in my car, and drove away. I hadn't been home more than a few hours before I realized that I did not have that planner, and uh, so I went back to the store. Uh, I went to through the grocery carts; it wasn't there went inside, asked if anyone had returned it. They had not, and uh, so I, I went back home, uh, discouraged that I had done that, angry more with myself than anyone else. An uh, interesting thing happened. About four weeks later, whoever had taken my planner uh, had bundled it up and uh, mailed it to me. They had the, my address inside the planner. There was no return address. Uh, there was a postmark, and it came to uh, my house. And I opened it up, and uh, immediately for me, you know, because I knew what was in that planner, uh, I turned to the very back and went through the pockets in the back. I had been saving money. I had about four hundred dollars in that planner uh, that I had been saving about twenty bucks a week for. So you can imagine, you know, for a long time, saving that money and putting it away. Uh, and I had no really direct thing I was saving it for that I could think of, but just kind of putting some money away in, in the event of an emergency or some kind of a situation. When I got through that folder and uh, went through every pocket, that money was missing. There was no there was no money there at all. Everything else was in place. The pen that I carried in there was there. The notes, uh, no pages were missing. Uh, nothing was disturbed, only the money was taken. There was no note inside um, whoever had mailed it back and and left it. But I can remember sitting down at my desk at home and opening that and, and taking a pen out and copying down every single one of the things on that calendar and the needful information, just recopying it. There were a couple of note pages I tore out and put along with that. And then I remember closing that planner and dropping it in the trash can. I can remember, I can see it visually now, still in the trash can. And I was thinking about that in preparation for this and, and uh, why, did I, why did I throw that away? And, and the reason is the treasure was gone. The treasure was gone. The real, the real treasure of that planner was... You know, you can always recreate your notes and, you know, always go back and find out from other calendars what your, you know, schedule was and reschedule things and plan things. But the resource, the money was gone. The treasure that was in that planner was gone. And so its value was gone. The real treasure in earthen vessels, in us, is Jesus. There's, there's no substitute for the presence of God in your life. And there's no memorization intellectually that's going to um, make that happen. It is connection through understanding the word of God, how we can connect with, with God, love him, surrender our lives completely to him, inviting his presence into our life, that that treasure inhabits earthen vessels. Paul closes out by saying this, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, say this with me, you are complete in him. Say it again. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principalities and power. The Old Testament um, is filled with uh, theologians, what theologians call types and shadows. Uh, looking forward to the New Testament and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, for instance, to give you some examples of types and, and shadows that are, are uh, seen in the Old Testament, the sacrifice of the unblemished lamb, a picture of the perfect lamb who would lay down his life for us and uh, even came through the sheep gate. that uh, was called the sheep gate in Jerusalem that last time that he entered Jerusalem, become the the unblemished sacrificial lamb on our behalf. It was a type and shadow in the Old Testament fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. The temple itself, which represents the very body of Christ, the building of, I cannot, he said, be held in a building. (laughs) You can't hold me in a building, but you're going to have a place to go and to worship and to remember me and, and to learn of me and to grow in me. But my habitation will be in you. You will be the temple. And so we have become, as the modern church, the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The very name that we have adopted as a branded name for our church, Grace Place, is that you are carrying that precious cargo, that precious treasure inside of you wherever you go. Where is the Grace Place? It's not at 1500 Royston Lane, no. There's a building there. There's a parking lot there, but the grace place is wherever you are, wherever you have gone. The laver that the priests would wash themselves in at the entering of the temple was a picture of the Word of God. It's a place that they would first see their reflection before they washed. In James, the New Testament, he says, you know, we are like those men who look in a mirror and walk away and forget what manner of men we are. We must often come to God's word and look in, as the priest did on a daily basis, the lammer to see what manner of man we are, that God might change us, transform us, and make us more like him. The lamp that was kept in the temple that was lit always, all of these symbols of, uh, and types and shadows of the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the substance of all of these types of shadow, types and shadows the embodiment of our hope, the joy of our life, and our eternity with him. Our hope is in him. Invite our worship team to come back. Those words, and you are complete in him. You are complete in him. If you're listening and you have not made surrender, you haven't crossed the line, you, you are a fan of Jesus but not a follower of Jesus. Uh, necessarily and you're finding that more and more you're drifting away you're more susceptible now maybe than ever to being blown over by the winds of life and the storms of life roots are not deep roots are shallow I want to say to you that you are incomplete I love you Jesus loves you but you're incomplete by nature we're separated from God because of our sins But when we open our hearts to Christ, he forgives us, and he comes to live within us by his Spirit. And when the one who created you moves in with you, the meaning and the purpose of your life on earth is complete. You are complete in him. So my question as we're closing this morning is, is where, where are you? Where are you? I wanna say a prayer with you to invite the Lord and then I wanna pray over you over something else in just a moment. Dear Lord, as, as we are opening our hearts right now for your examination by your Holy Spirit, I just pray that if we are distanced in any way from you, if our roots are too shallow, that you would begin to reveal us to us, that we might uh, make a full surrender and submission to your Lordship and leadership over our lives. The Holy Spirit, you said will teach us all things that we need to understand and as we open this book and begin to partner with you and the work you want to do to deepen our hearts what is ink on the page is life in the heart yeah. <laughs> it comes alive and so I'm praying God that you would stir our hearts and minister teach one in Jesus name in Jesus name we make surrender give us deep roots I feel led this morning also to pray for some who may um, have um, physical illness that you'd like to pray over. It was inspired yesterday by the Sean Fout gathering in Austin and a couple of thousand people there to come and worship God in the middle of the day. That was just awesome, and uh, they were praying over the sick. and And if you're, if there's something, some need that you have you'd like for us to pray for, I'm going to be available to you as a worship team uh, leads us in song.